Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Hallelujah. How many got the victory tonight? Amen. Praise God. What a joy and what a privilege to be able to come tonight and to preach. I want to thank Pastor Warner, Pastor King, uh, and the church for the opportunity. Uh, Many years of coming and doing concerts and doing plays. First time I get to preach. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you what, uh, your testimony as a church is worldwide. Amen. I've always admired the Tucson congregation and uh, uh, just tremendous blessing, you know, having uh, the Tucson Church so close when I was being discipled there in Chandler. And so, hallelujah, we're going to have a great time tonight. Amen. Pastor uh, King said, uh, you can be the John the Baptist for your pastor. So I'm going to try to be the best forerunner I can for the revival that's coming. Hallelujah. So, uh, by the grace of God, God's going to help us. Genesis chapter 28. I came across an interesting article that uh, said five reasons why people are leaving your church. And of course, being a pastor, you want to read an article like that. And uh, here's the five reasons that it listed. Number one, it said that it's boring. Uh, Number two, there's no community. Number three, there's no place to function or minister. Number four, the church is unbiblical. And number five, it just didn't meet their expectations. Now, I don't know what church they went to. I don't know what denomination they went to. I I don't even know what geographical area, right, of America. We got these random polls that show up, you know, 100 people said, and you wonder, where are those 100 people? And so, you know, but nevertheless, as I'm reading this, I do know this. After many years of serving God, That not everybody comes to church for the same reason. I've been around long enough just to know that. You know, some people come to church because it's part of a ritual. It's a routine. They've done it for all their life since they were raised up, you know, in church. And as a kid, you know, you have your play clothes, you have your school clothes, and you have your church clothes. And you're raised up and going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, perhaps Wednesday I know others, they go because it's just the way that they can ease their conscience, right? Their conscience is being, you know, going off like alarm bells due to their lifestyle. And so they figure, at least I can do is come to church on Sunday and kind of balance myself out. If I do bad throughout the week, especially Friday and Saturday, I can come to church Sunday. I can feel a little bit better about myself and go back to my Old ways. Others say come to church because they have to. Either a spouse, husband or wife, say, listen, you need to go to church and they drag you here or your parents drag you to church. And so that's, you know, another, you know, reason why people would come and 
You know, but then there are those who have been born again. Then there are those who have been washed by the blood of Jesus and have been saved. And having been given a new life, we understand that the Lord has forgiven us, but we also understand that we need help in this journey that we have. And so we come to church because church is the place that God wants to meet with us. And he wants to change our life. By the grace of God, amen, we always need to keep that at the forefront of our mind. In our text, in Genesis 28, we're going to read, and in this text you find Jacob who has fled from the presence of Esau, his brother. He has, right, deceived his father into giving him the elder brother blessing. He has connived his brother into giving him his birthright, and now he's in a time where he's left home and he's now in a time of personal pursuits and ambitions, uh, relational tension, a transition point in his life, you can say. And now here he is, he's in the middle of the wilderness and, and as he's there, God is going to meet with this man. I want to tell you, there are times of testing in our life where God will catch us alone. Well, he'll get us in those transitional moments of our life where he's trying to help us to understand the need for him. And so we could say that Jacob is stepping out into uncharted waters, unclear of what the future is going to hold, and all he has, man, is this stolen blessing that he's taken from his father. Again, this... this, uh, um, birthright that he's taken from his brother and now he's alone with God and so this is where we pick up on our text Genesis chapter 28 let's look at verses 10 through 17 quickly it says now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran so he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set he took one of the stones of that place put it at his head he laid down in that place to sleep then he dreamed and behold A ladder was set upon the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west, east, north, south, and in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold. I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. Amen. Let's pray, man, tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Father, that you are faithful to your promises, that when we gather together in your name, there you are in the midst. And Lord, we give you all the glory and all the honor for our salvation. Bless your word, have grace upon your servant. My prayer is that no one would leave this place the same way that we came in, but changed by the power of God. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen. I want to look firstly, amen, at that church versus my church. I read a book, it was called Diverse Commodity, and in that book, it brought up some interesting thoughts about 
how the church has changed and evolved. We know that in the last 30 years there's been an, you know, a, a, a rise of what is called the emerging church. And it just began to elaborate on the fact that you know, the emerging church is more like a corporation. And it began to just speak about, you know, they uh, focus, you know, many of their things on fancy slogans, um, you know, fancy logos, tons of programs, you know, anything from Karate Kid for Jesus, you know, to if you've been divorced four or five times, we got also a program for that. And, you know, just began to elaborate how, you know, these things have begun to, you know, be at, you know, as a focal point, you know, in their ministry, you could say, in their church and you know, they have more modern ways of saying things that we have said for decades, right? Instead of a Bible study, a life group, instead of a sermon, a message, instead of preaching, sharing, and instead of saying sin, sin, calling it a mistake. And then it gave, you know, a very interesting um, illustration. It began to say prior to there being airplanes, you know, they used to use ocean liners to get across the seas and to be able to allow people to move from places like New York, you know, or, or from places from like England to New York. When people would get on these ocean liners to go from, you know, England to New York, their hope was to have a better life for them and for their children. They would save everything that they have, and they would gather all of their, uh, their money. And if you've ever gone to Ellis Island, you would see they had this, these huge leather trunks, and they would stick whatever precious items, um, you know, in their clothing, um, heirlooms, different things, and they would pack it all up, and they would put it on these ocean liners, uh, because why? They're leaving uh, the old life, and they're going to the new life, or, or they're going to an, the next step of their life. And so, you know, when airplanes came in, there was no need for these ocean liners because ocean liners took days to get across. It was far more dangerous for them to get uh, across the sea. And so now that you had planes, uh, you could get from places like England uh, to New York in just a matter of hours. Uh, you don't have to go through those treacherous waters um, of the Atlantic. Uh, and so, you know, this was the new way to travel. But what do you do with all these ocean liners? What they did was they painted these ocean liners. They began to now, uh, you know, doctor them up, so to speak, and they made them cruise ships. Now, you know, what was now done with those ships was, now, I've never been on a cruise. Anybody here ever been on a cruise? Man. Now what they did, you know, now you get picked up at a certain port, and you go out for, you know, X amount of days, and, as you're out there, you get to eat 24 hours a day, anything you want, all the beverages, all the food included. You watch some shows, right? You get entertained. I've heard of people even being by the pool in the middle of the ocean. Uh, to me, that's just odd, right? You're in a pool in the middle of the ocean, right? People are out there, you know, they're sunbathing, and so... This is what, you know, the cruise ship is. The thing about a cruise ship, right, it takes you out. It might stop at a few other places, um, a few other islands, and that, but it brings you right back um, to the same place where you started. And so what the book was saying was saying that, you know, that's sadly what the church has become. The church world, again, in general, uh, a lot have become more like, um, right, a cruise ship. Rather than the church being the vessel that God uses to take us from one place in our salvation 
to the next in hopes of the future and bettering our life. Um, Sadly, the church in some cases has become nothing more than a cruise ship that takes you out, lets you have fun, but it's always going to bring you back to where you started. Listen, when I got saved 31 years ago there in Chandler, I mean, no, we didn't get on a cruise ship. We got on an ocean liner. And God began to lead our lives, amen, unto his plan and his purpose. But I just thought that very interesting. I remember even being there in Chandler when we first opened up our building in 1999. We actually opened up Valentine's Day weekend with uh, evangelist or pastor um, Alvin Smith. That was our very first uh, get out the gate um, there in 1999, brand new building. Um, and I remember uh, at that time, Chandler was having a lot of churches that were coming. A lot of these, uh, you know, emerging churches were beginning to pop up here and there. And they would send out these questionnaires. How long would you like to have church? What kind of programs would you like to have? What kind of music style would you like? How long would you like a preach, you know, the sermon? What kind of sermon would you like? And I remember getting these in the mail, but again, I thought to myself, here we are receiving these, these mail outs. The church is trying to conform to the people rather than, amen, again, allowing the word of God to establish what the church is really all about. And so, Again, you know, my, my simple thought is this, is that because of that, this book was elaborating on the fact that a lot of people now have lost touch, right, with uh, a lot of the churches have lost touch with their people, and this, no doubt, amen, is dangerous to the Christian faith. On top of that, you, found, you have found that people say that church is nothing more than for the weak, crutch for the simple-minded Oh, I don't go to church, you know, because the church is full of hypocrites. I serve God my own way. Me and God were like this. Again, we begin to see it dwindle over and over where even professing Christians have begun to say, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to go to, despite the fact that Paul's letters were either to a church or a pastor, and say, I don't need to go to church, despite what Hebrews 10.25 says, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves, which is the manner of some, but all the more as we see the day approaching, that capital D is a big day, it's the day of the Lord's return, despite all of that, I don't need to go to church. COVID has also done a work keeping people home. You know, they say statistically one in three people have not come back to church since COVID. But we need church. Can somebody say amen? When amen, Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, we find that sin separated them from God. God's a holy God. He has to judge. Sin has now separated that. And we know that God is going to bring his son into the picture to reconcile man back to God. But there's another vessel that God is going to use. There's something else that God is also going to put into the factor to help us to build our relationship with Christ. And this is where we pick up our text. It's a foreshadowing. It's the revelation of the church where we find that Jacob 
Jacob is asleep, and as he's asleep, he gets this dream, and this dream is about a ladder that goes from heaven down to the earth, and the angels of God are going, ascending and descending, and now he comes to this place where after this dream, he says, I'm going to change the name of this place from Luz to Bethel, the place where divinity meets with humanity. Right there in our text, we begin to find the the thought and the revelation about him and the house of God and the importance of God, especially like in Jacob's life, in a transitional time of his life. Listen, how many know there's sometimes we need church more than others? In a place where, you know, your life is kind of, you're going into uncharted waters and there's a lot of things going on, a lot of things going on. But here we find that these angels, amen, of God ascending and descending, it's a picture of being ministered to. It's a picture of God, amen, spending time with his people and communing with them. Later on, we find what did God do? God told Moses, hey, have a tabernacle done, a, a massive tent. Outer courts, inner courts, holy of holies. Why? So that my people could gather to where I am. Later on, we find that Solomon builds the temple. And he, after he builds the temple, he says this in the dedication of 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 30. And may you hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place, here in heaven, your dwelling place. And when you hear, forgive. Here's Solomon saying that, you know what? The house of God is very important and very vital to one's relationship with God. It's a meeting place. It's a place where we can come and bring our offerings. It's a place where we can bring our sacrifices in that particular time frame. It's a place where they can pray. You know, I grew up in Chicago, and I appreciate our brother, man, going in Chicago Bears today. I got encouraged. I was, I was nervous before coming up here. When I saw him, I felt a little bit better. I said, God, God, you got my back. Chicago Bears all the way through and through. And uh, I grew up there, and I remember growing up, my mom got saved when she was pregnant with me, and we used to take two buses to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and every Wednesday. Actually, Tuesday. And then Friday used to be like a campaña, you know, so it was like special events, healing crusades, evangelism, just different things. And so sometimes even four times a week. But we used to take two buses. And in Chicago, you know, rain, wind, sleet, snow, all kinds of things. They call it the Windy City because it's just like that. It's so cold there, it doesn't matter how many layers, you know, you have on. As soon as the, the Hulk comes, that wind, it just stops you dead in your tracks. You just absorb it until it stops. And I remember we would have to wait at the bus stop to get to church, and finally the bus would show up maybe within five, ten minutes, and we'd get in, and I would always sit by the window. I like to look out. I like to look at things passing by. I remember one time I was counting all the churches we passed on our way to church. And as I'm, I'm counting, I, I turned to my mom, and I said, Mom, I said, why don't we go to one of these churches a lot closer (laughs) and I remember she turned to me she says because that's not my church that's not my church see church used to be a place right where you get saved and you you get married and you dedicate your kids and church was a place where you get baptized as a church where 
you know people. Hallelujah. Church was a place where you knew the pastor. You had his number. You could call him. He would visit you at the hospital or he'd come to your house or, or you know, they could send perhaps, you know, someone on staff. But that, it used to be intimate. But sadly, some people have lost touch with the church. Maybe because of past experiences or maybe because of their own desires. But my question to you is, do you have a church? Now, that almost sounds like, come on, duh, I'm in church. <laughs> now, let me ask you, is this your church? Is Pastor Warner your pastor? Or do you go to that church on Irvington, and, you know, that guy, you know, over there, he's the pastor. There's a big difference between that church and my church. I want to tell you, every person here, you should have your church. If you've recently gotten saved in this play, I want to tell you, you need to have a church. And I know of a good one right here in Tucson, Arizona. Hallelujah. So let's look at him and the gate of heaven. Verse 17, it says, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God And this is the gate of heaven. Listen, when God shows up, it changes the atmosphere. When God is around, the ground now becomes holy. He tells Moses in Exodus 3, 5, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place where you stand is holy ground. Joshua chapter 5, verse 15 He says, then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. This is just dirt and rocks. Who knows if there's some sheep dung, amen, on there. But nevertheless, when God showed up, it now became holy holy ground. I want to tell you, when the people of God show up in any building, I remember seeing some of your old buildings. I believe you had a building um, near Huero Canelo, amen, and, uh, you know, hearing some stories. And, you know, it doesn't matter what it was. When the people of God showed up, it became holy. That's why we don't let our kids run around. Hallelujah. Our building there in Colleen used to be an old Piggly Wiggly. Back, amen, when uh, uh, Elvis Presley was in the army there in Fort Hood. He was stationed. They actually have pictures in our city archives of him being in front of our building there when it was a Piggly Wiggly. Later on, through it changed a few times, but right before we bought it, it was Mr. Cole's furniture, and he just sold furniture and made it a warehouse. But listen, when we showed up um, back in 2003 uh, and the people started to gather there, uh, that building became holy. Uh, it's not just any other building. Uh, it's not just any other place around town. Uh, when God shows up, uh, this is holy ground. Uh, it's different uh, than any other building in Tucson. Because God is here. It was so important to Jacob that, you know what Jacob did? He took the stone. That was his pillow. I don't know how in the world he slept on that thing. But anyways, here he is. He takes the stone and he sets it up as a pillar. He puts it there. And I want to tell you, this is more than just a coincidence or something that he's just doing for 
any number of reasons. It has significance. He's calling this place the house of God and he's putting a stone there. Why? Because every church is built on the stone that the builders rejected. Every church is built on that cheap cornerstone, Jesus Christ. We don't build our churches on celebrity preachers. We don't build our churches in that manner. We build it upon Jesus Christ because if we build it upon him, nothing can shake this church. Then he does something else, verse 18. He takes some oil. He pours it on that. Again, what? why does he have to do this? Because he's doing this for you and I in 2022 to know how important this place is. He's pouring the oil. What is the oil a picture of? It's a picture. The oil is always a picture of the Holy Spirit. Right? All of this is for you and I. The Holy Spirit being poured out upon the church. Look, the Bible says, amen, that how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. For it's like the anointing oil that came upon the head, the beard, the cloak, um, right, of Aaron. And so we find in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came down when they were of one mind, one heart, one accord. And so here it is again. Not only does this ground become holy, it's built upon Jesus and the Spirit of God comes down and that's why man we need church more than ever because even on Wednesday night like Pastor King amen sent me a text doesn't matter what day of the week it is God can meet with us in a Wednesday night service God can change our life and we can leave this place tonight different we don't have to be the same on a Wednesday night can you believe that I can actually come receive respond to an altar and leave and have met with God. But then there's more. Say there's more. Here we find verse 17. We find that Jacob says, this is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven or the equivalent of the gate of heaven. He's, compa- he's saying The house of God, that everything that we just explained, is the gate of heaven. I thought about that. I'll tell you, I've read Genesis numbers of times. You know, at least when you you muster up enough to want to read your Bible, you at least get through Genesis. And I don't know how many times I've read it, but when this stood out, this is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven. Those words just stood out to me, which is why I even put together the message Why is this important? Because the gates in the Bible created a border. When you came up to a city, there was a gate there. That gate would separate, right, whether or not you were in the city or out of the city limits. That gate created a threshold. That gate, amen, was a dividing line between two different places. The gate was very significant, um, Right, when we find when we know that Lot he stood by the gate, and it was a place where the people of the city who had some type of uh, you know who were prominent, um, who had some type of weight, you know, uh, 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 some type of position, they would stand there. This is where also we find Absalom. He stole the hearts of the people of Israel away from his father. Uh, Why he stood by the gate? So it's a place of influence. Um, And, uh, you know, this is where people would come, bring their problems, uh, right? This is where Absalom said when they came to ask for, you know, some type of judgment um, upon a situation, they came with problems to the gate. Um, And so, you know, I thought about that, and I thought about the significance about the gate. Uh, 
I thought about the fact that, you know what, hey, when we need help, we need to get to the gate. But I thought about this. See, the gate was the closest place that you had to being to a city without being in the city. So what does that mean to us? The gate, the church, being here is the closest thing we have to heaven on this side of eternity without being in heaven. He says this is the gate of heaven. This is where the church is at. There is nothing like it in all of the world. You can't manufacture this. You can't find it somewhere else. What we are, where we are today is we are at the gate of heaven. We are right at the place, uh, listen, where if Jesus uh, comes right now, all we have to do is take one little step, um, and we are there with him. Um, amen. Thank God we're not at home sitting on the lazy boy, uh, right, or watching a few Netflix or something, uh, and we got to run, you know, uh, that gate swings open. I'm the first one through, I'm telling you. When you're in church, there is nothing closer. Think about it. In both places, Right? You have the presence of God. In both places, you have offerings that are given. In both places, you have the saints. Those who have, right here you have saints and those who have gone before us. In both places, you have praise. You have worship. In both places, there's prayer. Right? We pray. We pray before the service. We know that the Bible says in heaven or even before the throne room of God, our prayers are like a sweet-smelling aroma from the bowl of incense. Again, there's fellowship among saints. Righteousness is exalted. Um, listen, this gave me a newfound revelation of the church. Um, you can't have this revelation and have church the same ever again. This is the closest thing we have to heaven without being in heaven. Is this right here. We can't ever take this for granted. We can't ever make light of this. At that point, listen, all the excuses of why we can't come unless it's an emergency, really, they go out the window, right? Well, you know, I've been had a bad, had, uh, had a bad hair day. Well, I couldn't get my clothes right together. They didn't match. It wasn't working with me. We had an argument on the way to church, so we just decided to turn around. Oh, the kids were getting on our nerves. We just decided to turn around. Hey, the gate is where we went to take our problems. The gate is where they went to get things sorted out. How many know sometimes we have to drag ourselves to church, do everything in our power, but by the time we leave, the hope is that we're not going to be the same. Anybody here ever been disappointed? I highly doubt it. With the preaching that you get here, I highly doubt it. You are glad that you made the effort to come. Listen, I'm glad that you came tonight. Aren't you glad that you came tonight? You're at the gate of heaven. Glory to God. Yes. Don't ever take that for granted. So let's look lastly at appreciating the, church, the local church. Verse 16, Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. See, I began to think about this and I began to think about the fact that some people come to, to church. Two people can come. 
They can sit in the same song service, the same offering, the same preaching, the same altar call. One can leave excited. Oh, man, we had a great service. Man, God spoke. Spirit of God was there. Worship. You guys have a great worship team, by the way. Worship was there. Powerful preaching. And they're going around and, you know, they're excited about what God was doing in that service. And then you have others that you ask them the same thing. How was church? And they say, all right. It's good. Okay. So what was it? Was it the church service? Was it that the worship team messed up? Or was it the fact that the sermon was maybe not that great? What, what was it? You know, the difference is, is some people can come to church and God can show up and they don't even know it. Because they're not coming with expectancy. See, it's so easy to get into a routine of something that you do on a regular basis. That now it loses its importance. It loses its effectiveness and the revelation of the gate of heaven is totally gone. This is the closest point that we can get this is the closest thing we have to heaven without being there folks but Jacob says the Lord was here and I did not know it God forbid that that becomes us that God shows up and yet we don't have a same can I tell you something Uh, listen Pastor Campbell amen I agree with Pastor King of course is my pastor I'm a little biased amen Right? He's a great preacher, but can I tell you, if you don't come with expectancy, you'll have five services where you come in and five services when you leave, and you'll be waiting for the next Sunday with nothing changing. Because I want to tell you, it takes more than just a good preacher to have church. The church is made up of people, the ecclesia. And so we have to, amen, come with that expectancy. Say, you know what, I'm not going to come to church and have church like normal. In other words, not with the same mindset. I'm going to come with expectancy. I'm going to come believing that even on a Wednesday night, God can meet with me. Even on a Wednesday night, my life can change. God can call me. He can give me destiny and calling. Think about what God can do. Solomon dedicates the temple. And I'm closing. Second Chronicles 5.13. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeteers and singers were as one, to make one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. That the house, the house of the Lord was filled with the cloud so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house. That's what can happen in church. God's presence could be so thick. Whether we see the cloud or not, that's not, what we need is God's presence, right? I didn't see a cloud today. <laughs> okay. Just, we probably won't see a cloud, amen. If we do, all right. Hopefully it's not somebody vaping in church. You know. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we need the presence. But that's what God says. God says, you meet me at the gate, I'll be there. That's what the ladder is all about. God, the Bible says that God stood on top of that ladder. I'm the one ministering. I'm the one doing from heaven 
ministering to those on earth. Well, why do we come to church three times a week? Because we need it. I've been going to church three times a week for 31 years. Actually, my whole life, but 31 years of salvation. Why? Because I need it? Well, I don't. Well, maybe you should be preaching. Every time I go to church, I get something out of it. It doesn't matter. Listen, I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter who's preaching. I try to find something out of there that I can apply to James Rosario because James Rosario needs Jesus. He needs as much as Jesus as he can get. But things have shifted, haven't they? Sometimes things have shifted in our own hearts. The Lord was there, but I, I did not know it. Thomas was not there, and yet when they came and said, man, we just had, we just left revival. Jesus showed up in church. Oh, really, did he? Oh, I've heard that one before. Oh, I bet it was powerful. It was. Yeah, unless I see it. See, sometimes you need to be there when Jesus shows up. There's a man that I had to discipline for a time out of the church. When he came back, he said something very interesting, and he said, you really don't realize how rewarding life is in the house of God until you have been separated from it. And here's a man who felt the disconnect of not being in the house of God. He said, man, I wanted everything to get back. And he did, eventually. So many things happen in the house of God. You gain revelation. Right, you can read verse 13, you get destiny revealed, read verse 14, victory on the east, the west, the north, the south, right? And then he says, and your descendants shall be blessed. You know what you get out of coming to church too? You raise up your kids in Bethel, the place where divinity meets with humanity. Call me old school, but I believe if they live in my house, man, I, they need to be in church. I can't make you serve God. I can't make you saved. But you know what? I'm going to do everything in my power to get you in the house of God, in the presence of God, to let God get a hold of you. But he says, your offspring. I thank God that my mom, even though she was a single mother, never been married since I've been alive. She was married prior to that. Thank God that she took those two kids, my, me and my older sister, sat out there three, four times a week in the freezing cold, took me to church. Here we find that in our text, the blessing of the descendants. And then God made one last promise to Jacob. He says, you know what? I'm going to bring you back to this place. Because Bethel is a place we need to revisit. It's not a one and done. It's not just one service. Oh, all right, I'm good for a couple of weeks. It's a place we need to revisit. A place we need to tap in again. Get to that gate. I need to get close, as close as I can. The gate to heaven. The house of God. The presence of God. Singing unto the Lord. Worshiping him. Bringing an offering. And let the altar call. The altar be a place of change and transformation. You know what I love about the altar? The altar is a place where flesh is consumed. Making room for the spirit. And let's bow our heads tonight. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, 
and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.